Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar, who will be your host in this retrospective episode of Fake News. Jesse Smollett is a persecuted minority. Not because he's gay. Being gay is not a persecuted minority people group in 2021 or at any time over the past decade. If you're gay, you get literal parades thrown in your honor. Jesse Smollett is also black, but he's not a persecuted minority for his skin color. As we've seen, being black is so celebrated in modern times, you can be elected president without having any accomplishments to your name, or in the case of Kamala Harris, without even having anybody like you. No, Jesse Smollett belongs to a different minority group, a different class that has it much harder than anyone else in this cruel world. Jesse Smollett is an idiot. And being an idiot will just not get you far in this world. Our society has made many great strides in equality and tolerance, but sadly, we haven't found much patience yet for stupid people. Jesse would tell you that he's had a hard life, that being gay and black has held him back so much despite being a famous musician and actor, and yet despite climbing over and beyond the seemingly insurmountable mountains of his sexuality and skin color, the one hurdle he just couldn't clear was his own stupidity. Perhaps Jesse could quote the immortal lyrics of the 1999 song from Lit, It's no surprise to me, I am my own worst enemy, because every now and then, I kick the living crap out of me. Jesse Smollett is the living embodiment of that song. The one weakness, the one little ounce of kryptonite that he just couldn't shake off. The one thing holding Jesse back was himself. The architect of his own destruction. At least now that his greatest enemy is locked up, the damage Jesse can inflict should be limited for a few years. Stupid people have it rough. (laughs) They face so much discrimination in our society. Jesse Smollett will no longer even be a free man I really hope that he doesn't beat himself up too hard over this. Today is going to be a retrospective on the curious case of Jesse Smollett, because this week he was found guilty on five out of six accounts of being a dumb criminal. But it wasn't just Smollett who was officially exposed as an idiotic hack, it was also the left-wing media, who was once again exposed as a group of moronic hacks who don't know how to interpret reality. And I say left-wing, not implying that all media is left-wing. There's a right-wing media, too. And I also want to demonstrate today the difference in how the right-wing media covered this situation as opposed to the rest of the media. So I'm going to read a little bit of a recap here that was published in National Review. I think this gave a good brief breakdown of what happened with the Jesse Smollett investigation. And we'll start with how it originated back in January of 2019. And we'll continue up to what's happened with the case just this week. So writing in National Review yesterday, they were talking about how Jesse Smollett was found guilty. It said the jury's ruling marks the end of one of the most bizarre national criminal cases in recent years. Smollett, who is black and openly gay, claimed that two attackers, at least one of them white, jumped him out of the blue around 2 a.m. on January 29th, 2019, used racist and homophobic slurs, doused him with bleach, hung a noose around his neck, and yelled, This is MAGA country, a reference to then-President Donald Trump's slogan. I'm just going to give a note on this real quick. So this happened in at the end of the month of January in 2019, and I remember that month pretty well. Um, my son was born that month, and... I got to say, there is a lot of that month that was a haze. Um, you know, I also, I work for a church. I, I pastor at a church, and I was looking back at some sermons that I had written in, like, the month or two after my son was born. And, like, years later, I have no recollection of ever preaching those sermons, ever typing them up. Apparently, I, you know, researched them, wrote them up, preached them, but... That was such a blur in my life, that whole time period, right after my son was born, just everything was so new to me, going home to a ba- having a baby in the house, it kind of just turned my world upside down. And frankly, to be honest, there's just a whole lot of my life that is a blur from that time period. And yet, January 29th, 2019, I remember this case. This is one thing that stood out to me during all that time 
was the 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 Jesse Smollett investigation that started looking like a hate crime the first day, and then that story very quickly fell apart. And so um, just to recap what he said happened on January 29th of 2019, he said at around 2 a.m. he decided to go out for a Subway sandwich. Okay, this is what Jesse said. And as he was walking home with the sandwich, two white men jumped out and they poured bleach on him, hung a noose around his neck. They yelled, this is MAGA country. That means uh, make America great again. They said Chicago is make America great again, Donald Trump territory. Yeah. And they called him an F word. Okay, not the F word, but a pejorative that refers to gay people that you're not allowed to say it unless you're gay and then it's okay. And then they called him the N word, which is, of course, the pejorative word that refers to black people that you're not allowed to say unless you're black and then it's okay. And by the way, luckily, the two men who attacked Jesse that night, they were themselves gay and black. So I guess it wasn't a crime. It wasn't like a hate crime for them to to call in those things anyway. But uh, it, it all did turn out to be a hoax. This was all staged. Now, Jesse tried to pass it off as real, but this was all very staged. And it seemed horrible. Um, it seemed horrible. Now, I'm going back to what the National Review said. It seemed horrible. And Chicago police spent more than 3,000 hours trying to solve the crime. But by mid-February, investigators had determined the hate attack was a hoax. Smollett, they believed, had conspired with two brothers, a Bibbola and a Lobinjo Asandario. A black, uh, they were a couple of black guys who were extras on the show Empire. That was a show that Jesse starred on. He paid them to stage the attack in a perverse kind of street theater. You know, basically what happened was it was discovered that he had given these men a check. Okay, not even cash. He gave them a check for $3,500. And uh, actually, I think we'll come on to that later. We'll come out to some of the evidence that came out that, that showed how they figured up that this was indeed a hoax. But... Uh, I just wanted to mention one thing. So Chicago police spent more than 3,000 hours trying to solve the crime. Now, I looked at, I looked this up kind of just doing some rudimentary math based on how much cops make in Chicago. That would be more than $100,000 worth of man hours were spent on this investigation. Plus the other expenses that go along with any police investigation. So Chicago had to pour a lot of money into this whole investigation of a hate crime that turned out to not even be real. Uh, the charges that Smollett was found guilty of included things like lying to police, uh, put, falsifying a police report. And this is these were actually felony charges because of how deeply he was dishonest and how much he was a part of the whole, um, the whole crime from the beginning. So how did they realize this thing was a hoax? Well, the brothers who had done this to Smollett, who he claimed were white, they were actually caught. It turned out they were two black men. They were Nigerian men. The, I, it's hard to say their names. I'll just call them the Osendario brothers. Um, and so, like I was mentioning, he had written them a check for $3,500. And then there was security camera footage that showed him on the days before the attack, driving around Chicago with these men. And apparently he was driving around with these men to try to find a location where they could stage this hate crime hoax. And then the men who were caught, they acknowledged, they said they'd carried out this hoax to fake the attack because it was a publicity stunt for Jesse. So they they came clean and admitted what the whole situation was. However, Jesse wanted to stand by his story. Now, he did have to change some details because as more of the, the truth and the facts came out, he did get caught in some lies. But he ended up coming up with this ridiculous defense that he was manipulated into doing the stunt by these two brothers who were just criminal masterminds, Okay. You'll still see some people today pretending that this was a real hate crime. Well, even Smollett acknowledges that this was a stunt. He just says he was manipulated into it by these brothers who he says were criminal masterminds. <laughs> I'm sure compared to him, they are masterminds. But despite the fact that, um, you know, he's essentially, he has admitted now that his original story that he went on TV, that he told everyone, despite the fact that all this, he's now admitted it was all made up, there are still some on the Democratic left who will just not admit that he lied. They just want to, they want to keep defending him. Why? Well, when, when he came out with this tell in January of 2019, so many people on the Democratic left fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. Let me give you a few examples. Bernie Sanders. 
He tweeted, The racist and homophobic attack on Jesse Smollett is a horrifying instance of the surging hostility toward minorities around the country. We must come together to eradicate all forms of bigotry and violence. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. She says there's no such thing as... A, uh, she's referring to an article here from Entertainment Tonight that Jesse Smollett was attacked in a racially charged attack. She tweets, There's no such thing as racially charged. The attack was not possibly homophobic. It was a racist and homophobic attack. If you don't like what's happening to our country, then work to change it. It's no one's job to water down or sugarcoat the rise of hate crimes. Another... Another guy you might have heard of, uh, Joe Biden. He Now, this is when he was a candidate. He says, What happened today to Jesse Smollett must never be tolerated in this country. I agree, by the way. We shouldn't tolerate what he did. We must stand up and demand that we no longer give this hate safe harbor. That homophobia and racism have no place on our streets or in our hearts. We are with you, Jesse. Rashida Tlaib. When one of the most famous gay and black men in America is not safe... The message is clearer than it ever has been. The dangerous lies spewing from the right wing is killing and hurting our people. Thank you, Jesse Smollett and my LGBTQ neighbors. Cory Booker, another guy running for president back then. He said, this vicious attack on actor Jesse Smollett was an attempted modern day lynching. I'm glad he's safe. To those in Congress who didn't feel the urgency to pass our anti-lynching bill, designating lynching as a federal hate crime. I urge you to pay attention. <laughs> I'm just point out one thing about the Jesse Smollett situation. Um, so they threw a noose around Jesse's neck. All right. In this, what he says was in, in his original story, when these men attacked him on the street, that they threw a noose around his neck. So Jesse went home, called 911, cops show up. He's still never taken this rope off from around his neck. You know, this is why some people from the beginning were very trepidatious about believing him because they're like, you had a rope tied around your neck and you never took it off. No, he didn't take it off. He waited until the cops showed up. <laughs> uh, Kamala Harris. You might have heard of her. Jesse Smollett is one of the kindest, most gentle human beings I know. I'm praying for his quick recovery. This was an attempted modern-day lynching. No one should have to fear for their life because of their sexuality or color of their skin. We must confront this hate. Oh, boy. Um, one more for you. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, she said, The racist and homophobic attack on Jesse Smollett is an affront to our humanity. No one should be attacked for who they are or whom they love. I pray that Jesse has a speedy recovery and that justice is served. May we all commit to ending this hate once and for all. So all those politicians right there were caught with egg on their faces because now it's turned out, actually very quickly after the facts or the original story came out about this case, that the truth started to come out. And the things Jesse said didn't add up. Now, the left was obviously excited about this attack because this attack helped their narrative. Their narrative that right-wing uh, people in this country are so hateful and mean that they're trying to kill black men or, or black women or anyone who's not white or gay people. You know, they have this whole narrative that all these different people groups are so victimized and, and that the, col the culture is just so cruel to them. That when this thing supposedly happened to Jesse Smollett, they couldn't have been more excited to use this situation to promote their lying narratives. So now, for them to admit that he was a liar, well, that would have to mean that they're admitting that they were stupid enough to believe in his hoax in the first place. When not everybody did believe in his hoax in the first place. And and by the way, I think they really did believe it. I just I think they are actually that stupid and gullible and in love with the smell of their own farts, that when stories like this come along, they can't wait to sniff it up. So Kamala Harris, like I said, I, I read her tweet from before where she said that what happened with Jesse Smollett was a modern-day lynching. She tweeted that out. And then here she was being um, questioned about this by reporters once the story started to fall apart. And you can see she's trying to pretend she doesn't even know what tweet was being talked about. When you hear the silence here, it's just her shaking her head and pretending to be confused for, about ever tweeting this in the first place. I'll play this clip. Kamala Harris calling the attack an attempted modern-day lynching. Which tweet? What tweet? Uh, the, about uh, saying that it is a modern-day lynching that... Um, uh, sorry. <laughs> yes. Jesse Smollett. Um, I, I, okay, so I will say this about that case. I think that the facts are still unfolding, and um, I'm very... Um, 
Now, did the right wing respond to this attack in the exact same way? Well, a lot of people condemned it, you know, in the sense that they said, if this is true, this is obviously horrible and we, we need to talk about that. But there were a lot of people also on the right who immediately knew this story just didn't make sense. Mike Cernovich, he's a right wing political commentator. Uh, I'm not sure who he writes for. He said this right after the attack on Twitter. OK, he said this day of the attack, basically right after the attack. He posted this. He said, so someone yelled, aren't you that F word empire N word? It was two men who were white wearing ski masks. They put a rope around his neck, poured bleach on him and said, this is MAGA country in Chicago at 2 a.m. And then Mike Cernovich types, really? As in, you know, he, d- he doesn't think this really happened. Um, a lot of people on the right were just kind of poking holes in this from the very beginning. I, I could play a lot of clips. I want to play one from one of the guys at the Daily Wire. Um, and you probably heard of the Daily Wire. It's Ben Shapiro, Jeremy Boring, their whole institution, their their news organization. They've got a podcast network with a few different guys who have daily and weekly shows on there. They've got Candace Owens, Matt Walsh, Michael Knowles is another one. Uh, but my favorite is actually Andrew Clavin. Andrew Clavin is my favorite one on there. And I want to play a clip from his radio show that he put out that day. And I'm, I won't play the whole thing where he talked about it. He talks about how he's known about Jesse Smollett for years, that he's a fan of the show Empire. He's watched Empire for years, thought it was a great show, and um, liked Jesse Smollett as an actor. And yet he says when he first heard, when he first heard about this news about the guys in Chicago, um, he just didn't think everything really added up. And I want to I want to play his reaction He didn't talk about it for a whole long time on his show because he said it was just kind of like late breaking news to him. But I want to play his initial reaction when he heard about the Jesse Smollett uh, hate crime. I want to play this. This is from his episode. uh, I think it was episode 646. It was on the day that this Jesse Smollett hate crime hoax happened. So anyway, I really like this guy. He claims that he was attacked in Chicago, on a Chicago street at two in the morning by two men who wrapped around a rope around his neck, threw a bleach on him, called him racial and homophobic slurs. Uh, they were wearing masks, but he says he thought they were white. He was told the police that they said something about this is MAGA country, which is absurd in Chicago. Listen, if this story is true, if these troglodytic, if there are troglodytic thugs who laid their hands on this guy because he's gay or black, you throw the book at him, I'll sign the book. The oubliette in Silence of the Lambs is too good for them. No question about it. But I got to tell you, the minute I heard this story, I thought, really? Really? I'm, you know, and I just... This story has changed several times. The cops are looking for video evidence. Apparently, there were <coughs> he was caught on videotape. Smollett was caught on videotape, uh, security cameras, but they can't see any sign of the attack. It's like twenty. Pardon me. It's like twenty degrees below zero in Chicago. So I don't know if these guys are out prowling the street. Uh, why would they recognize these guys if they're MAGA hat wearing? Uh, maniacs. Why are they watching Empire? Why would they even know he exists? Uh, at first, they said that these were white men, but then the police came out later and said, no, you know, they were wearing gloves and masks, uh, so he couldn't tell the gender or the, um, the color of them. I'm not saying it's untrue. I'm not saying it's untrue. I'm simply reporting that when I heard it, something went through my head. And if it's untrue, that's another story. And I think that we should deal with that story. I notice they're not driving this home the way the left usually does. They're not, you know, interviewing Donald Trump and asking him if he was in Chicago at the time, which is what you'd expect from like CNN or something like this. Uh, they'll try to blame it on him if it turns out to be true. Again, if it turns out to be true, these guys should be punished to the full extent of the law. It's a horrible, disgusting crime. I shouldn't have to say that. But Something strikes me about this story, and I just want to put it on record that it it bugs me. And as much as I like this guy and admire his talent and as much as I enjoyed his performances and think he's a wonderful uh, entertainer, uh, I will be really interested to follow this story because it just has been bugging me since I heard it. So that is not commentary. It's just a personal reaction. And we'll see because I'll come back to it. If it turns out, if they prove it, then I'll come back and I'll talk about that and why I may have had this personal reaction. I got to go. Now, what I appreciate about this clip from from Andrew Clavin and what I just actually what I appreciate from people on the right in general is this that not everyone on the right, but a lot of people on the right have this humble attitude that they say, let's wait till we get more information. OK, I'll reserve judgment till I know all the relevant facts. They're not just going to jump 
to a conclusion. I know some people on the right jump to conclusions, but I say this as a contrast to those who are political commentators on the left. Okay, the left-wing media hosts, the people who all right away, just like the politicians, jumped right on board with Jesse's story, didn't wait for any more facts to come out, just immediately assumed that it was all true, despite some of the questionable details of this thing. Um, not everyone on the right did that, and that's something I appreciate about right-wing media, is they are oftentimes more concerned with getting everything right than getting everything first. And yet, on the left-wing media, it seems they are in such a rush to jump to the end of the story, which their conclusion is always something how to, about how terrible Republicans are. They want to jump to the end of the story and think that they know all the facts right off the bat. A lot of times it takes facts some time to come in. Look at the, what happened in Waukesha with Wisconsin a few weeks ago. That was actually that was starting to be reported, and people started already making suggestions that it was... Um, there were already people saying that this was white supremacist terrorist violence. And then, of course, once a black man turned out to have been the one who committed that atrocity, the story basically disappeared. You know, people want to jump to conclusions so quick before they even have all the facts. What I just appreciate about my uh, Andrew Clavin here, he's like, well, I don't know about this yet. I'm going to reserve judgment till I get more information. And he said, if it turns out this was a right winger who did this to Jesse Smollett, you know, he says, I got, we all have some things to kind of look inside ourselves and do some self-reflection and analyze why the situation took place. But he didn't just jump to a conclusion. I really appreciated that. So anyone who waits for more information to come out, they always, they always look smarter in the end. Um, does left-wing media, can you find one example like this in any left-wing media where they just take such a patient, reflective approach to, to anything before they jump to a negative conclusion. So this is what the, you know, here's what the mainstream media did with Jesse Smollett. They let him go on TV. They let him go on TV and cry about how oppressed he is and his imagination. Let me just play one of the most pathetic clips of, of Jesse here. If the attackers are never found, how will you be able to heal? Um, I don't know. Let's just hope that they are. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's let's not go there yet. Let's, um, <laughs> I was talking to a friend, and I said, I just want them to find them. And she said, sweetie, they're not going to find them. And that just made me so angry because so I'm just going to be left here with this? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just going to be left here with, with, like, so they get to go free and go about their life and possibly attack someone else. And I'm here to left with the, left with the aftermath of this pool. You see, they can't admit that he lied now because for the media to admit that he lied, that would be admitting to their own gullibility. Uh, Don Lemon, who's a CNN host, has also been caught up in this fiasco. Um, he was giving some inside information he was feeding it to Jesse, you know, in the midst of all this stuff going on while he was going on TV and reporting about it. Uh, CNN host Don Lemon, this was reported on Daily Wire. Um, he came to the star's defense, allegedly alerting his longtime friend, referring to Jesse there, shortly after the hoax attack that Chicago police didn't believe his tale. Smollett testified to this in court this week. It happened on Monday. In the days after the alleged attack, Lemon told his viewers that he was in constant communication with Smollett because the story was was personal to him since the pair were friends. Well, they, they have a lot in common, okay? Both Jesse Smollett and Don Lemon are both black and both gay and both stupid. So, of course, they're really good friends. Don Lemon claimed the actor was innocent until proven guilty and he will have squandered the goodwill of a lot of people if he was lying. However, since then, Don Lemon has remained silent about the allegation that he tipped off Smollett. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, there's a lot of details about this story that seemed fishy from the beginning. And it was only the left-wing media who fell for it because it lined up, it lined up so perfectly with their preconceived notion, with, their, with the narrative that they have, that they live their lives by, that exists in their imagination. It had no relevance to the facts. And when the facts came out, the left had to shut up. Or, as you will see, some of them are just pretending 
they're just continuing to pretend that the lie was true, that Smollett really was attacked, even though Smollett's basically admitted this in his in his new defense that okay, yeah, it kind of was staged, but they manipulated me into it. You know, it. But it, <laughs> he's he's already admitted his first story was not true, and yet you still have the media out there playing defense for him, running interference basically to try to convince the public no, the original story was still true. Uh, there's like three narratives that are all three being perpetrated right now. There's the original story that the media is still pretending is true. There's the new defense that Jesse's trying to promote in court. And then there's the truth that people on the right have been able to see from basically the beginning. Black Lives Matter put out a statement pretending that that Jesse is innocent. And this is what Black Lives Matter says. They put out this statement this week. It's not about a trial or a verdict decided in a white supremacist charade. It's about how we treat our community, meaning black people, our community when corrupt systems are working to devalue their lives. In an abolitionist society, this trial would not be taking place and our our communities, meaning black people, would not have to fight and suffer to prove our worth. Instead, we find ourselves once again being forced to put our lives and our value in the hands of judges and juries operating in a system that is designed to oppress us while continuing to face a corrupt and violent police department, which has proven time and time again to have no respect for our lives. In our commitment to abolition, we can never believe police, especially the Chicago Police Department, over Jesse Smollett, a black man who has been courageously present, visible, and vocal in the struggle for black freedom. While policing at large is an irredeemable institution, Chicago Police Department is notorious for its long and deep history of corruption, racism, and brutality. Now, I just want to point out something here. Yes, Jesse did lie to the police and they've put up charges against him. But here's the thing. This is not this is not a black versus white issue. It's not even really blacks versus cops. Okay? Jesse Smollett, the black gay moron, which the trial is over now, but I'm just saying, Jesse Smollett, the black gay moron, is telling one story. And the Osendario brothers, who are also black and gay and morons, are telling another story. So one of them is guilty and one of them is innocent. So if Jesse turns out to be right, which we already know he's not, and now he has been found guilty, but I'm saying if he, if it turned out that he was right, the Osendario brothers are the ones going to jail. So it's not black man versus the cops. This situation is really one black man versus two black men. And by the way, Black Lives Matter, by supporting Jesse, they're apparently rooting to send two black men to jail instead of one. <laughs> that's Black Lives Matter. Is that's apparently what they're going for, to send the two black men and say that, oh, they're the ones who should be in jail rather than just the one. They're not supporting Smollett based on any kind of moral principles because BLM doesn't have any. They're not supporting him based on even, not even really his race because the other people who are at risk of going to jail in this and still could go to jail, I think, are the Osendario brothers. It's not even about their race. It's, it's because Smollett is famous. Jesse Smollett, the stupid gay black man who wants you to believe that he's persecuted because he's gay and black, is being backed by the most powerful civil rights organization in America. But he still thinks he's the one who's persecuted because of the whole stupid thing. So they can't admit that they were wrong because it'd be basically admitting that's how stupid they are, that they fell for this. Right-wing media didn't, but... Uh, Right-wing media just has a firmer grasp of reality and facts. Not saying they're all perfect, but they just have a firmer grasp of reality. As we've seen from this situation. As I, as I lay out again and again in these episodes. Which, it, when they get stuff wrong, I'll go after them for it. But this is one area where we can say they figured out the facts from the beginning and the left-wing media fell for an obvious hoax. Here's one more story on this, uh, and it comes from NBC. Actually, this is going to be our Beyond the Headlines segment for this week. So we're going to do our Beyond the Headlines segment right here about the Jesse Smollett investigation. So here's an NBC article, and the headline says, Jesse Smollett being found guilty of hoax will hurt LGBTQ folks reporting hate crimes. The subhead says, Jesse Smollett guilty verdict will be used by by Trump supporters to prove Democrats wrongly label them villains. (laughs) So this article is, this guy writing it, his name's Zach Stafford. He's an MSNBC opinion columnist. And he's mad because a story about Trump supporters being being wrongly labeled villains by Democrats, it might be used 
to prove that Democrats are wrongly labeling Trump supporters as villains. Yeah, that's that's basically what it's mad about. The Jesse Smollett saga may now technically be over after a Chicago jury found the actor guilty of five of six accounts he faced, but its impact will be, and already has been, felt for years to come. It doesn't matter if the actor... This is an amazing sentence, guys. This is an amazing sentence. He says, It doesn't matter if the actor who starred on Empire really was beaten up by people yelling, This is MAGA country, and is wrongly being punished, or if he did stage an elaborate hoax, as the jury decided he did by finding him guilty of five counts of disorderly conduct. So... I just want to point out here, notice that Zach Stafford, he's not admitting that Jesse Smollett is actually guilty, even though the, the jury has literally found him guilty. But all, all Zach Stafford here is, is admitting is that the jury decided he was guilty. He's not even, he doesn't even want to question whether Smollett is actually guilty. He says, he says right there, it doesn't matter if it was a hoax or not. I tell you what, it mattered to Zach Stafford when he thought the hoax was real, then it mattered whether it was real or not. But when the details started falling apart, now he wants to say, oh, you know, that that question of whether this was real, that just really doesn't matter. <laughs> now, let me continue with, with his stupid opinion piece. He said, instead, the seemingly never-ending questions over the almost three years regarding the truthfulness of his account means the indisputable victims of hate crimes will now carry an even heavier burden of suspicion. The only winners found as the dust settles are the members of the right who have declared themselves America's real victims of hate and discrimination, people who have strategically made the Smollett case their go-to example for how the left operates and how it wrongly makes villains out of Donald Trump supporters. Meaning Smollett's guilty verdict is their new crowning jewel as our culture wars rage on. Well, just a comment on this as a right-wing person myself, I wouldn't say it's the crowning jewel. <laughs> Kyle Rittenhouse's case was more of a crowning jewel because I think that particular case was actually, that was a lot more significant culturally than this one. But the, here's the similarity with Kyle Rittenhouse's case in this is that once again, in that situation, the left jumped to a conclusion about a Trump supporter that was wrong. So they promoted a narrative that, that turned out to be a lie. And another similar situation was what happened to Nick Sandman. He was a Trump supporter, and the media jumped all over him, painting him as the villain when he turned out to be an innocent bystander. And then he ended up successfully suing a few different media outlets for millions of dollars because of how they defamed him. So I, I wouldn't say Smollett's case is like the crowning jewel. It's just another case, once again, in a long line of false left-wing narratives that constantly get disproven by running into reality. To continue on with this uh, NBC article, when the actor said in January 2019 that two men wearing masks subjected him to a racist and homophobic attack near his home in Chicago, an overwhelming outcry followed. The actor initially garnered, <laughs> initially garnered sympathy across the political spectrum, which during our current era is uncommon. I'm going to come back to that idea, but I'm going to read a few more paragraphs first. Trump denounced the attack as horrible. Activists took to the streets to march. And Smollett's story was used to introduce a new anti-lynching legislation on the floor of the U.S. Senate. It's already illegal to lynch someone. It has been for a long time. But Democrats pass laws making things that are already illegal just illegal again <laughs> to pretend that they're doing something. Because systemic racism is a myth. It doesn't really exist in our system, guys. So when something supposedly racist happens and politicians feel like they have to do something about it, they'll just pass a law making something illegal that was already illegal before. Okay, that's just a side note. For many, the reported attack on Smollett was par for the course in an America that was already seeing a rise of violent hate crimes from Charlottesville, Virginia. By the way, that's where one, one person died. To Chicago amid Trump's presidency. Thus, Smollett's story of being attacked was seen as a call to action. Okay, um, let me go back to this idea of what the guy said earlier, that the actor initially garnered sympathy across the political spectrum, which is uncommon in our current area, okay? I want to come back to that idea for a minute. So notice that when people thought Jesse was a victim, there was universal support for Smollett. You know, it, it, some people said, well, we've got to see some more details on this because some of it doesn't add up. But there, like the article even says, there was universal support 
that people said, oh, well, if this is true, this is a horrible thing. You know, this is terrible what happened to him and this never should have happened. People on the left and right were in agreement on this issue. All right. But the NBC article says just as quickly as the story broke, it took a turn and then another as evidence produced by the Chicago police swayed supporters to abandon Smollett, who was charged with writing a false police report just as fast as they had rushed to support him. As the tide turned against Smollett, the right was excited that it had a smoking gun illustrating how fake the media is and how Democrats only cared about issues that would hurt the then president. <laughs> yeah, okay. So he's saying when Jesse was seen as a victim, there was universal support. But when it turned out Smollett was lying, then, as this article even says, the political right labeled him a villain while the left continued and still continues to support Smollett. There's no reason we can't still have unity, guys. Okay? You, on the left, you just have to quit writing opinion pieces that defend him. Instead, you need to come over and condemn him along with the rest of us on the right. If you want unity instead of controversy, just admit that Smollett is a criminal. <laughs> That's all you have to do. But the left only wants unity when it's centered around their false narratives. So... That's the only time they ever want unity. They will not even come over to the side of the right and agree with us on something when the facts are obvious, when it's plain that Smollett was lying. They're complaining that, oh, well, we had unity back then when we all thought he was a victim. Well, now that we all know he's lying, why can't we still have unity? But it's because the, it's the left will not budge from their narrative even when their narrative is proven wrong. They only want narrative, They only want unity when it's centered around their false narratives. That's why when a police officer, when he knelt on George Floyd and George Floyd died a year or two ago, that's why I'm not going to march in the streets for BLM. Because that phrase BLM, it doesn't just refer to the George Floyd situation. It's a whole philosophy that pretends that black people are always the victim in every situation. And that false philosophy, that is going to run headfirst into reality in situations like Jesse Smollett right here. And... BLM's philosophy. It assumes a racial motive behind things like George Floyd's death. Now, I don't believe, you know, Derek Chauvin was acting properly in the method by which he arrested George Floyd. But even in his criminal court case, there was never even one ounce of evidence that race had anything to do with the George Floyd situation. And so I, I care about truth, not narratives. But for those in the media, the narrative is all that matters. They want us to unify around a narrative, even if it's false, because the narrative is all that matters to them. I don't want a false unity. I'm, I'm cool with unity, but we need to have unity around facts, <laughs> like like facts, like that Jesse Smollett is a liar, okay? Not lies about him being a victim. Uh, the article here from NBC, just to continue in it. When Smollett was first charged, Donald Trump Jr. launched an all-out social media campaign by taking over the hashtag justice for Jesse and perverting it, <laughs> perverting it by trolling seemingly every high profile person who had defended Smollett from Harris to Senator Elizabeth Warren to even even now hashtag justice for Jesse is used as a weapon against the left. <laughs> well, that's what that's what the left. They always do this. The left always does this. They invent some stupid slogan or some stupid word. And then they whine about it whenever it's turned against them. They say it's being, you know, it's, it's weaponized against us. Like they were saying recently about the word woke, that the right is weaponizing the word woke against them. Uh, or fake news. That's where the name of my podcast come from. Nobody ever remembers this. Donald Trump did not invent the term fake news. Do you want to know who did? If you don't know this, I'm about to blow your mind. Hillary Clinton invented the term fake news. She invented that term because when she was trying to explain, you know, her 20 or 30 reasons why she lost the election in 2016, one of the reasons she said was fake news. And then Donald Trump picked that up and he says, yeah, I like <laughs> he, he, he knew that was a that was a good phrase. He started using the term fake news to talk about all the fake, the actual fake news that the media puts out all the time. So liberals invented that term to explain why Hillary Clinton lost. She put the term out there. Trump took it and started beating them over the head with it. And now I have a podcast named named after it. And you know what? It, it came from the left. They came up with that. So th thank you to them for all these great things. They all these great weapons they give us to use against them. Uh, Donald J. Trump. Sorry, Donald Trump Jr. He's been using the just 
Hashtag justice for Jesse slogan. By the way, I was going to call my program today. I was going to call this episode. We finally got justice for Jesse. I was going to put, we finally got hashtag justice for Jesse. And I was so excited about that. And then Donald Trump Jr. literally tweets out those exact words. We finally got justice for Jesse. <laughs> I'm like, well, dang it. <laughs> I wanted to use it, but now it's going to look like I was copying him if I use it. So I had to come up with something else. Um, from the beginning, Donald Trump Jr. has called this thing out as a hoax. Here's what the Mercury News Mercury News said this on um, February 1st, 2019. This is what they reported about Donald Trump Jr. Is Donald Trump Jr. promoting a Jesse Smollett conspiracy theory? The president's son seems to believe that the Empire Star's attack is a hoax. Here we are almost three years later, guys. Are you going to apologize to Donald Trump Jr. for accusing him of promoting a conspiracy theory when he turned out to be right and all you guys turned out to be morons? Yeah, I won't hold my breath waiting for you <laughs> to, to admit that. So um, back to the NBC piece here. I'm almost done, but Zach Stafford. So he says he used to work for The Advocate and The Advocate is is this pro-gay publication and they covered this story back then. Um, when he worked for The Advocate. So this is what he says about that. We couldn't help but cover the story of a black gay celebrity who said he'd been attacked by Trump supporters. This wasn't just because it was a story involving a famous member of the community we covered, but also because for many of us who had been reporting on anti-LGBTQ crimes for years, we believed his case might help shine a light on the fact that LGBTQ folks, especially trans people, were dying at historic rates in the streets. Smollett claimed to have been attacked in those same streets. Since journalists began accurately reporting trans homicides in the early 2010s, we have consistently seen a rise in anti-LGBTQ violence, and with 2021 being the deadliest year on record, specifically for trans people. Okay, I'm just going to say two things about that real quick. First of all, when they say murder rates are higher for trans people, murder rates are up across the board for all people because they did this whole defund the police movement last year, and since then... Crimes have skyrocketed and murder rates have skyrocketed because there's less policing going on. And when you have less policing, crime rises. So everyone's being killed more than they were, you know, more like two years ago at this time. The murder rate was not as high as it is now because of the whole defund the police movement. That's left wing policy for you guys. OK, second of all, I'm not sure how much trans murder rates have risen, but I'm just going to point out this one. This is kind of an interesting fact, actually. I'm, I'm even surprised by this. Transgender people have a lower murder rate than the general population does. If you, if you look at the general population's murder rate and compare that to the murder rate among transgender people, the, the actual, the transgender murder rate is actually lower than it is for general population. So you're less likely to die being a transgender person by, by murder than you are just if you're just a normal person. So I, I find that actually kind of interesting. But, you know, the left, well, they don't want to admit that. They have to make everyone everyone a victim, you know. So they have to pretend trans people are a victim of murder rates. Actually, they have it pretty, they have it better off than the rest of us. Okay, back to the NBC article. With this guilty verdict, it's really those people who lost, not just Smollett with the winners being people who are now more emboldened in demanding even more from victims before receiving justice. Sure, Smollett may have lied, or at least was found guilty of it. <laughs> i got to read that sentence again. They will not admit here that he lied. Look, sure, Smollett may have lied, or at least was found guilty of it. <laughs> well, we already know that the hate crime aspect of it from the beginning is original story. We already know that that's false. Even Jesse's admitting now that that part was false, and he was just manipulated into staging this hoax by the Osendario brothers. So this NBC article writer is just pretending the original story was true. Even Jesse's not pretending that anymore. Do you see how the media lies to you? They lie to us literally every day. If you read the media and believe it, they make you dumber. They make you dumber. <sighs> but what's important for us to do in this moment as we look to what's next is to ensure that work is being done to stop the epidemic of hate facing folks who look like Smollett. Trump supporters are not being subjective to hate crimes for sub supporting Trump on any level, full stop. <laughs> well, you know, I tell you what, Zach Stafford, staging a hate crime to villainize a people group, that is a hate crime against that people group. 
Okay, what, what Jesse Smollett was actually a hate crime against Trump supporters. So they, they actually are being victimized. In the, by the way, in the news media every day, because you guys help promote this fake story. Which is probably another reason you don't want to admit that it's fake. Because you helped promote a hate crime against Trump supporters. Good job, guys. And I, I say that, I don't even, personally, I don't believe in hate crimes in general. That, that that's even a real thing. But if we're going to have them, then this would be an example of one. I don't actually believe in hate crimes. Like, I think a crime is just a crime. It doesn't really matter the, the motivation. That doesn't make it really better or worse. Um, if you kill someone, it doesn't really matter if you're trying to take $5 from them or if you were killing them for their race. You should get, you get a, you go to jail, okay? I don't believe in hate crimes. Here's how the NBC article finishes. Trump is an expert in gaslighting America. And if we continue to allow the Smollett case, no matter where one stands on it, to detract attention from everyday people impacted by hate in this country, it would be the greatest gaslight moment of all and a signal of more to come. So they end the article by blaming Trump again, who's not even president anymore, but they, blame, they end the article by getting mad at Trump again. I want to ask you something as we read through this piece from NBC. Who do you think the author is angrier at? Do you think he's angrier at Jesse Smollett? Or is he angrier at Trump and Trump supporters? He has all of his vitriol directed in this article at Trump and Trump supporters, and 0% anger. He's literally actually defending Jesse Smollett in this piece. No anger at Jesse Smollett. Here's what I want to say to people. Like, why, why aren't you mad at the person who lied to you? Why do you walk away from this situation still supporting the person that fooled you and still crapping on the people who turned out to be innocent in all this? This is what I can't stand about the media. They have no humility about when they are wrong. No humility. It's just like like Adam Schiff and the rest of Russia investigation. You know, Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi and a bunch of politicians, they, they all pretended that Donald Trump colluded with Russia to steal the 2016 election for about three years. And the media just reported what they said as if it was true. And they deceived a whole bunch of the public into thinking that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president because he had, he had some kind of scheme going on with Russia. And when all that turned out to be another one of their left-wing hoaxes, when all that turned out to, to be untrue, they won't even admit there's still people to this day who believe Donald Trump colluded with Russia in 2016. Now, let me say this to you. If you, who is listening right now, if you were dumb enough to fall for the Russia thing, at least you could blame the media because they're the ones who lied to you. And, and the media even, they could at least blame the politicians, they could say, well, the politicians lied to us. They could at least pass the blame to them, but they don't do that. They still love and adore the very same Democrat politicians who lied to them for years. And there are left-wing people in this country who still believe the media who lied to them about Donald Trump being a Russian spy for years. They don't even care that the media and all these politicians lied to them for years about this, about this major thing. Nope, they are still just as angry and hateful toward Trump before they found that out as they were after. It is never about truth. I don't know, it's just all about the hate. They don't even care that the media and politicians used them and lied to them. That, that's what we call Trump derangement syndrome. Have you heard that phrase from back when, especially when Trump was president, they called it Trump derangement syndrome. That's when someone, they, when they hate Trump so much, they can't think straight. Jesse Smollett, he's going to jail now because he hated Trump so much that it caused him to ruin his whole career and now to lose his freedom. Not because he's gay, not because he's black, because he's stupid. Okay, well, what I'm going to do before we go today, I just want to rapidly shoot through a few other stories from the past week. I'm going to do it. Uh, rapid is the key word here because I've talked long enough for today. Um, I knew this was going to be a long episode. I'm not going to be like, oh, I didn't mean to talk so long. I just kind of accepted if I'm only going to do this show once a week and catch up on stuff from the whole week and do these retrospective episodes every now and then where I pick one long, like, do a long form analysis of a story that's been going around for a while. If I'm going to do that, I'm not going to get this done in like 45 minute episodes like I wanted. <laughs> so I know this is going to be a long episode, 
But I've got the main part out of the way. What I want to do is just talk about a few other things in just very, very rapid fashion. Okay? And before I do that, I'll just mention this here. If you want to get in touch with us here at the Fake News Podcast, I'm sorry, Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. <laughs> that's, that's actually the full name. If you want to get in touch with us here, send us an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. If you see some fake news, send it our way, and whoever gets it to us first will get credit for it. And also, if you want to stay in touch throughout the week, we are on Twitter at Fake News Weekly. So go check us out there, and if, if something happens where I can't do a show, um, make sure you find us there, and I'll, you know, if I can't do a show this week, I'll put it there to make sure everyone knows. But in general, I try to have new episodes on Friday. Looking ahead at my plan for this month, I want to do one more episode this month on the 17th, and that's just going to be a weekly roundup of news, so I'll do one of those. I will not be doing one on December 24th. That's Christmas Eve. I don't think you want to spend Christmas Eve hearing about the fake news of the week, <laughs> so we're going to take that one off. But I actually have a special series of episodes that I want to do in the last in the last week of the year. Um, there'll be more than one episode, but I want to do just a kind of a a bit of a retrospective on the past year of fake news. I want to give the the top five fake news stories of 2021. So I'm going to do that in the last week of the year. Uh, so look for one more episode next week. We won't do one during the week of Christmas, and then after Christmas, we're gonna do we're gonna do a countdown of the top five fakest news of 2021. So that's the plan for the rest of the year. Um, and also, if you want to keep in touch another way, if you if you like Bible studies, I have another podcast. It's called Cross References, and it has nothing to do with news or current events. But I do consider that one my main podcast, and I try to get new episodes of that one out on Mondays. So you can go look up cross-references on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get this podcast, you can also find my other one. Okay, now let's do a rapid fire, just a few other quick stories from the past week or two. First one comes from newspunch.com. If you remember last time I talked, uh, I did on the episode, I talked about how the COVID vaccines clearly are causing blood clots in people. And yet, Obviously, the vaccine companies don't want to admit this. They do admit it, but they don't want to like use this as the reason that a lot of people right now are finding themselves having blood clots. The news media is going out and po- publishing constant stories about how people are having heart issues and blood clot, clot problems, and they're trying to blame it on other factors. So from, from uh, newspunch.com, Researchers warn that cold weather can cause blood clots and other <laughs> and heart attacks. They're trying to blame these these heart issues on cold weather um, because you're going to see a rise of this stuff, I guess, here in the months ahead, and we already are seeing a rise. Two German soccer players suddenly and unexpectedly collapsed during the same match. You know, this the, the odds of that happening are just... I know soccer players have a reputation for collapsing a lot, but they collapsed with these um, heart problems. And so uh, apparently they had, they'd had the, the vaccine. And I'm not saying you shouldn't go out and get the vaccine. I just wish the media would be honest and report all the facts about it. There is clearly... Go listen to our last episode if you want more on that. I'm going to try to be rapid fire here, but there's clearly a link right there. Okay, CBS News. Study shows men spread COVID particles more than other populations. <laughs> men more than other populations. Uh, as in women? I guess CBS News, you know, is so down the rabbit hole of wokeness that they believe. I guess what they're saying here is that other populations, as in women, non-binary people, two-spirit people, and all the other made-up genders that the left is trying to push right now, like gender queer and stuff like that, fake stuff. Uh, okay, that's CBS News for you. I want to pause here for a moment um, to do a message from our president, President Joe Biden was making some remarks earlier this week at a memorial for Bob Dole, who passed away. And he was reading some remarks off a teleprompter, and he read just a little bit too far. So let's pause for a moment for a message from our president. Has certainly faced periods of division. But at the end of the day, we've always found ways to come together we can find that unity again. Then the message said, end of message. 
Yep, proud to be an American. Okay, uh, let's do what's racist for this week. What's racist for this week? That's a new segment I'd like to start doing. And uh, so USA Today poses the question, is math racist? As many students of color are struggling with the subject, schools are altering instructions, sometimes amid intense debate. Recommendations to make math more inclusive have opened a rift in the world of math education. Opponents of the changes said the movement dumbs, dumbs down the subject, but advocates say the subject's teaching is full of inequity. So math, the most objective of all subjects in school, okay? Not, a, not subjective at all. You're, you're adding up or subtracting or multiplying whatever numbers, okay? This is an objective field. It's not theoretical. This is as objective as anything gets. And there's this push constantly to say that math is racist because they say people who are not white are getting worse scores in, uh, like, you know, getting worse grades in math in school versus the white kids. And so they're trying to say, therefore, math is somehow racist. Um, This is what Democrats think of black people. They think that black people and non-white people, they think that they are too stupid to figure out math. So they want to dumb down the subject of math because they don't think that black people can keep up with the white people. That's actually what they think. I don't believe that. I think if there's some disparities, it's probably due to other factors. But the problem is not math. (laughs) And the the problem is not black people's brains. Okay, they're just as smart as white people. There's other factors at play. But the left, they think that the problem is that is inherent within black people and that they'll never be able to keep up with the white kids in math subjects. So they think they just have to dumb down math. That's how black. That's how Democrats' brains work, guys. Okay. Um, so what else is racist for this week? We're not done yet. Digital currency. Yeah, NBC News puts out a headline. Bitcoin surge was a windfall for white supremacists. Research finds. <laughs> so they want to. They want to villainize Bitcoin, which is a digital currency. The Democrats do not like Bitcoin and digital currencies because they don't have control over it like they do general monies. So that's why they're they're trying to paint it as white supremacist because they're mad. Uh, I had another one here. Christmas lights are racist. Someone, this isn't a headline. This is just kind of a funny, stupid thing. Someone wrote a letter to one of their neighbors. The letter said, I couldn't help but notice your Christmas light display during these unprecedented times. We have all experienced challenges, which casual words just don't describe how we're feeling. The idea of twinkling colorful lights are, are a reminder of divisions that continue to run through our society, <laughs> a reminder of systemic biases against our neighbors who don't celebrate Christmas or who can't afford to put up lights of their own. <laughs> so if, if you put up Christmas lights, I guess you to the left, you are highlighting the divisions in our society and being unfair to those who can't afford to put up lights. You don't have to... I say the left, this person didn't say who they voted for, but you just know when they use stupid things like systemic biases, you know, you just know that this is a, uh, you know who this person voted for last year. Okay, next headline. This is not about race. This is from Codebook, written by Kristen Soldis Anderson. She poses the question, why Democrats say they like socialism more than capitalism? I'll answer that for you. It's because they're socialists. From the New York Times opinion section. Why the Biden presidency feels like such a disappointment. (laughs) Why it feels. Why the Biden presidency feels like such a disappointment. That would be because it is a disappointment. From The Lily. Homicide is a leading cause of death in pregnant people, a new study finds. First of all, just notice people, pregnant people. They don't want to say pregnant women because they're pretending that people other than women get pregnant. Okay, but actually, I just I actually wanted to point something out about this. Homicide is a leading cause of death in pregnant women, a new study finds. I'm going to be scientifically accurate here. They say homicide is a leading cause of death. I just want to point out something. That's actually a good thing. <laughs> Don't hear me out on this. That's a good thing because that means we've made such great strides in medical advancement. You're actually, if you're pregnant you are more likely to to get killed by an external cause rather than issues that stem from your pregnancy. That's actually a good thing because in the past, women used to die, you know, regularly from complications from their pregnancies. A lot of times women died in childbirth. And this was due to the fact that they just didn't have as much medical 
uh, information. They didn't have the medical knowledge or the skills or the the medical equipment that we have nowadays. They didn't have the knowledge about stuff like germs and stuff like that. So women used to die from pregnancy or pregnancy complications. Babies used to die a lot more regularly in the past than they do today. So this article is actually when it says women are more likely to get, get killed by murder. It's not that there is a spike in murder. There's a spike in murder in the general population due to the defund the police, like I said before, but there's not like some specific new targeting of pregnant women. So this is kind of a non-story. It's actually, it's actually good news because it shows how far we've advanced medically as a society. And also this article points out, I just read the article a bit. It points out this fact is, has been true since the 80s. <laughs> so this is not even new information. It's not even new news. But uh, maybe they, maybe someone over at the Lily, which I'd never heard before. Uh, I've never heard of the Lily. Perhaps they were just bored this week. So they dug up something from the 80s to re-report re it. I don't know. <laughs> okay, next thing. This is from Business Insider. Headline says, Mitch McConnell would eliminate the filibuster if he was in Democrats' shoes, Jim Acosta says. Okay, well, um, I was going to point out something. This is because the Democrats are all mad about the filibuster right now and want to get rid of it so they can do whatever they want. And they say, well, if Mitch McConnell was in charge, he would eliminate the filibuster. Well, guess what? He was in charge just a few years ago. And he didn't eliminate the filibuster, Jim Acosta. <laughs> So <laughs> these people, do they even think about what they say before they blurt it out? Okay, and then uh, and one more here from The Atlantic. Joe Biden's year was ruined. Whose fault is that? Hmm. <laughs> I, I Ask Jesse Smollett. Okay, Joe Biden, ask Jesse Smollett. He'll tell you who to blame. He'll tell you where to find a mirror. I want to do another segment here. I'm going to call this, this is just kind of a thing I want to do for fun. I call it a thing that happened. Okay, here is a thing that happened. This is just a wacky news story from the past week. A thing that happened. And I get this one here from Not The Bee. Okay, so I'm just going to basically read to you what I got from them. The headline says, A woman got mad at a grocery store slot machine and lit it on fire, which led another woman to shoot her in the parking lot. <laughs> and uh, if you're wondering what a slot machine is at a grocery store, okay, I... I, my, uh, my, one of my, my older son, he was driving uh, across the state a few weeks ago. This is about a month ago. And his car broke down and I had to go give him a ride. And it was in this city about an hour away from me. And so this is a little bit bigger city than where I've grown up. And uh, where his car broke down was at this gas station. So after I got him where he needed to go, I went back to his car at the gas station. And I had to wait inside a little bit for a tow truck to come pick it up. And this gas station, I had never, I had never seen this before, like a month ago. But there's slot machines all over the place, like a casino in the gas station. I honestly, I'd never been in a gas station that had that. So I guess maybe this is a thing in some places that are not like actual casinos. They have slot machines where people can play these little gambling games. I've seen scratchers at the, at the, um, at the gas station before, but I'd never seen slot machines there. So. I'm, I guess that's what is kind of going on here. This is apparently at a grocery store. I think it was in Oklahoma. I'll read it here. I can't remember what state it was in. But um, so this is the thing. And by the way, the people who I saw, I, the, the people who I witnessed using these slot machines, <laughs> I hate to sound offensive, but they were a little bit scary. So everything that I read in this story, I, I can very easily visualize it based on my own experience that one time of seeing people play on the gas station slot machines. Okay, this happened in Texas. It said, Texan sets fire to gaming machine after losing, gets shot by irate gambler. <laughs> this is another explanation of the story here. So in Houston, there are gambling machines in grocery stores. Reading the Not the Bee version here. Not sure why that's a thing. Anyway, it looks like this lady was on an absolute losing streak one afternoon and then ended up getting really upset. Can't blame her, but I can't blame her for this. A woman in Houston, Texas, set a gaming machine alight Wednesday after a losing streak. She poured lighter fluid on the machine and started it on fire. <laughs> From there, the story takes an even worse turn. There's another lady there who wanted to turn on the slot machine. It said her actions sparked an argument with another woman who had wanted to use that machine. It spilled out into the parking lot 
Eventually, the second woman pulled a gun and shot the first woman in the abdomen. <laughs> this is all a true story brought to you by the state of Texas. And that was a thing that happened, and I felt it was too good not to share. All right, as we close today, um, as we say at the beginning of every show, the media lies to you literally every day. What they don't realize, though, is that liars are the most obvious people. BS isn't that hard to smell. Just open your nose and breathe. That, by the way, right there, that's a quote from none other than Jesse Smollett. He posted that to Twitter on November 27th, 2010. Liars are the most obvious people. Uh, The poor stupid people, they just have it so hard in this world. And yet, when it comes to stupid people, Jesse Smollett is perhaps one of the lucky ones. He gets to be locked away now, so he can no longer publicly embarrass himself for a few years. That's actually a more humane treatment than what we do to other stupid people. When we aren't sending them to jail for faking hate crimes or shooting each other for a slot machine, we're doing something far worse. We're putting them on TV as a panelist on The View, or in some extreme cases, electing them to Congress. Thanks for listening today to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you, if anyone tells you just five more minutes and then the slot machine is yours, that's just fake news. 